We've been walking through this series on uh, core values, things that are important. We started out with intimacy with God, and we talked about, um, we said the question that can really give us a, a little bit of a defining of whether or not if we're, if, if we're moving ahead is the question, am I closer to God today than I was yesterday? And we said that intimacy with God is a lot like intimacy with one another, that it requires time, uninterrupted time. And how much time do you spend with the Lord? Is a Sunday morning the only time that you ever spend with the Lord? If it's so, you're probably missing out. I know you are. Uninterrupted time, spending time not just talking to him, but spending time listening to him. Uninterrupted time, transparency. Sometimes we think that we've got God fooled. God doesn't really know what's going on in my life. So I can just say, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine when we know things aren't fine. As well as mutual submission. And then the last time that we had gathered together, um, we talked about relational evangelism. With whom are you building an intentional relationship with to share Christ? Christianity's lost a lot of ground over the past years, even though we're spending more money building more buildings, uh, more efforts, writing more books, more publicity. We're losing ground. And we went back and we looked at the story of how Christianity uh, progressed in the early days. I mean, how did Christianity grow? After Jesus and Paul and some of those early disciples had left the scene, and we went back and we looked and we saw that it was because of their morality and also because of their generosity. And we said in the midst of that, you know, how do we not just do church on Sunday, but how do we, how do we live for the Lord out the doors as we're going? And how, do we, how are we his ambassadors? And we, we left with the question, with whom are you building an intentional relationship with to share Christ? Do you have that on your agenda? Do you have that on your agenda? Is building relationships with other people who don't know the Lord, is that on your agenda? Or is the only thing that we get caught up in doing is going to church and doing more church and another Bible study and another great worship service? You've got to live intentionally. Today, we're going to come back and look at a third core value. And let me ask you a question because this, this really speaks to me. How many times have you been in a, in a large gathering or a gathering of people, whether it be uh, in a church environment, whether it be in a social environment, a school environment, a uh, sporting environment, and, <clears throat> and you bypassed certain people to get to other people? There were certain people that you sort of, you sort of made your way to and in the process of making your way to speak to them and talk to them, you bypassed others, ignoring them. It could have been intentionally or, or non-intentionally. But I think we've all done that before, haven't we? I think all of us have had a time in our life where we've walked past somebody to get to somebody. Why do we do that? I mean, why do we walk by, by certain people? And it happens a lot in church. Why do we walk by certain people and pay attention to some, yet ignore others? Why is it that there are some relationships we lean into and then other relationships we seem to avoid, ignore, overlook? Right or wrong, we do it, don't we? It just happens to be that there are some people that seem to matter more than other people do. Is it because of status? Is it because of position? Is it because of personality? Is it because of closeness, 
I mean, what is it that causes us to sometimes exhibit the thought that there are some people that matter more than other people? And you know that defining of who matters starts early on in life, doesn't it? You know the little kid that, that, that brings his lunch to school and his mother's like a professional chef and she like packs it full of all kinds of stuff? You been there? And she packs it so you really want to sit close to them because you know that if you sit close enough and you, and you sort of wink at them and you smile and you're, and you're friends, maybe they'll pass something on to you. Maybe it's the kid that you wanted to be close to because they were a good athlete and if you got really close to them and they were your friend, maybe they would pick you to be on their team or maybe you'd get a chance to pick them to be on your team and your, your kickball team would win. Or maybe it was the kid you really didn't want to sit by because you knew that if you sat by them, they were probably going to ask you to borrow something because they never had their pen and never had their pencil and they never had their piece of paper. They always seemed to be unprepared. And you knew that if you sit too close, that you're probably going to get hit up for something. Or it might have been that if you sat too close to them and people thought that you were associated, that you might be talking, that not only would um, find you talking about them may that they may and might talk about you. you are you with me but see that starts early on in life and it continues on in middle school and in high school and even into adulthood there are just some people that seem to matter more than other people regardless if it's right or not that's just the way it is What is it that defines for us when we encounter people? What is it that defines for us how we see them and how we respond to them? What is it that defines for us when we encounter people on the journey of life, how we see them, and how we respond to them? Where do we take our cues? Because I think that deep down, all of us believe that people matter. There's just some people that seem to matter more than others. Now, we're going to go back and look at a passage of Scripture today. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard it, you know, at least ten times. You've probably sang about this guy. Because, but, the, but the Scriptures is full of, of stories where Jesus himself interacted with people that didn't seem to matter that much within society. And Luke himself writes an awful lot about Jesus intersecting the lives of people that were, that were not so popular in culture, people that were, had a stigma attached, um, people that have, might have been looked down on within that culture. And, and what Jesus was able to do is he was able to see past the classifications and the stigma that culture had put down on them. And he reminded us in the way that he lived was that people, all people, matter regardless um, and in a society back then that tend to dis devalue um, certain types of people Luke reminds us in his writings about the life of Jesus that all people mattered so you see Jesus hanging out with the poor you see Jesus hanging out with women you see Jesus hanging out with children you see Jesus hanging out with tax collectors you see Jesus hanging out with shepherds all of that that Luke wrote about, that some of the other Gospels don't write, but he wanted to remind us that all people mattered, regardless of what the culture around them said. So we're going to take today, and we're going to look at the passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 19 of the book of Luke. 
written by Luke himself. He was a historian. He was also a doctor. And the reason that Luke wrote what he wrote is he wrote because he wanted to give an accurate account so that people's lives could be encouraged in their faith. But we're going to take this passage of Scripture and we're going to read about the guy that Jesus encountered one day, a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And we're going to look at that story in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. So if you'd read that with me, this is what the scripture has to say is it talks to us about the story here of Jesus encountering Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19 verses 1 to 10. And Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. If you go back and look and see what's happening, Jesus is really on his way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. We're not far out here from um, from Jesus being arrested, Jesus being tried, Jesus being beaten and being crucified. But on his way towards Jerusalem, he stops in at Jericho. Now, I don't really know about you guys, but when I travel someplace, I like to get from point A to point B pretty quickly. I'm not too much about stopping in and visiting you know, certain people. I like to get, if I'm going to go someplace, I want point A, point B, straightest line, that's where I like to go. But here we see Jesus stopping off in Jericho. Now, let me just say this. Wherever Jesus went, he always had a plan, and there was always a reason why he went and did what he did. He was very intentional about his interactions with people. But Jesus here stops in Jericho, and he goes on to say in verse 2, there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, big important person in our story today. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very, very (laughs) rich. Tax collector, Zacchaeus, rich. Do you think that he was an honest man? I don't think so. Do you think that he was probably a liar and a thief? Yes. See, what happened within that world is the Romans would would hire somebody, a tax collector, and I've heard in history that they would barter for that position. It was a very prized position if you wanted to be rich. What the tax collector had to do is he had to pay a certain tax to the Romans that the Romans had, had said that you're going to have to pay us. He would have to collect that from the Jews. Him himself being a Jew, he was sort of looked down on because here he was, he was a traitor to the Jews. And anything that he, he was able to tax them over and above what he had to pay to the Romans, he could keep that. He was known as a thief. Um, so how in the world do you think that he got rich? Yeah, he was pretty good at what he did. He was rich. He got rich off the people, so he was hated. In the scheme of things, this is the thing that you probably understand about Zacchaeus that you want to remember. He would not have been on your list of the people that you wanted to invite to your birthday party. Okay, That was the thing that you want to remember about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus would not have been the guy that you wanted to invite to your birthday party. The other thing about it that's pretty, pretty funny and not so funny, Zacchaeus' name in, in, the, in the Aramaic and the Hebrew also meant pure. Pure. Can you imagine Every time that the people would call his name, names were extremely important. And every time they called his name, they're like going, oh, there's the pure one, not. The pure one, not. Every time they called his name, it was a reminder of of, of how, how dirty and dishonest this guy was. So here's Jesus coming into town. He meets this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. There's a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. And in verse 3, it says, He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. You guys are probably singing that song in your head if you grew up in You were doing that, weren't you, Bev? 
And so the picture is, here's Jesus coming into town. Zacchaeus is there. Zacchaeus wants to meet Jesus. He's too short, so he runs ahead. He climbs up in a sycamore tree to see Jesus because he knew that he was going to pass by that way. Let me ask you this question. Why would a rich man want to see Jesus? Why would a guy who had everything by the world's standards want to see Jesus? I mean, if it had to do with finances, he had it. So why in the world would he want to see Jesus? Was it it because of what he had heard about Jesus? It could have been. Why would a rich man, by the way, climb up in a tree? Why would he do that? Let me tell you something. Just because Zacchaeus had money in his pocket didn't mean that his heart was full. It was empty. That's why he climbed the tree. I don't necessarily think it was about what people were saying. I think there was an emptiness inside of Zacchaeus. There was a satisfaction that he was seeking for that money money didn't provide. Remember we talked about the the truths of God. God is good and he alone satisfies. There's a lot of things that we try to put in that gap in our lives. And I I don't know what it may be for you. Power, position, you know, Uh, placement I don't know what it is but there's only one thing that satisfies and even though Zacchaeus's pockets were full his heart was empty his heart was empty God created us with needs but how many times do we do we try to walk outside to meet those needs when that meeting of that need is only temporary God alone is the one that satisfies and the reason that I think that Zacchaeus was looking and so intently to meet Jesus was the fact that he was searching. He was searching and he was, he was restless. And it goes on to say there in verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by the name, Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't walk that way by accident. Jesus knew exactly where he was headed. He knew exactly the road that he needed to walk. He knew exactly the person that he, he needed to see. And it was a person that others despised, a person that others hated, a, puther, a person that, that everybody else said didn't matter. But that didn't deter him from reaching out to him. See, we usually don't walk towards people that are in need, do we? We usually walk the other direction. It's like getting in the other lane when the guy's standing on the corner or rolling up our window. You ever done that? Yeah. We don't usually lean into people that have needs. We usually lean away from people that have needs. We try to avoid them. But Jesus not only knew Zacchaeus' name, but listen, he just just didn't know his name, but he knew his story. And he knew that he was hopeless. And he knew that he was in need. But that didn't keep Jesus from approaching him. And he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. That's pretty presumptuous, isn't it? Do you think that before Zacchaeus went to climb up in that tree that he had prepared his house, thinking that Jesus was going to come to his house? I don't think so. I mean, when's the last time you think Zacchaeus even had somebody over at his house? Probably not not very often, unless they wanted something. Isn't that right? He probably wasn't used to guests coming to his house. But here's Jesus saying, listen, quick, come down before I'm coming to your house today. Coming to your house today. Do we ever give thought of how people that don't act and don't look 
and don't smell and don't dress and don't whatever do you ever give thought to how they think you feel about them are you with me have you ever thought about people in a room don't you think the person that is seems to be hopeless feels hopeless and knows that oh you're no different you won't care about me either you ever been in a situation like that yeah I mean think about that from their perspective do you ever think about a person far away from God and what they think about how you view them do you ever think about why a person far away from God would seem to want to stay at a distance there's no hope yet here's Jesus calling him down and saying I'm coming to your house today so get ready Zacchaeus quickly climbed down in verse 6 and took Jesus to the house in great excitement and joy no one ever wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus I did some research on loneliness and just a side note they tell me and stats say that loneliness has more than doubled since the 1980s it's a very very unusual fact I mean since the introduction of computers and internet and email and Facebook and Twitter and all these other things when it seems like we would be better connected than ever before they say that loneliness has risen dramatically more than doubled since the 1980s more than doubled studies say that loneliness is no different than heart disease or diabetes loneliness being brought on by lack of so social interaction has been linked to mental health as well as mortality I have been in situations where people have taken their own lives because of loneliness loneliness is a is a spiritual issue I mean how many times do we feel as if we've been disconnected from God yet we know we know scripture says that we know what scripture has to say that he'll never leave us never forsake us that even in the depths and the darkness that God is there loneliness is real but it's also a lie I remember in the early days of planning heritage and for whatever reason I went through a dark dark time and I, I can't explain it to you but I remember the loneliness of sitting even though I was surrounded by people there was loneliness that was created and where Satan uses that loneliness to draw us away from God and disconnect us from people and disconnect us from from our relationship with God God uses that time of loneliness to drawing to him because remember he's the only one that meets our needs but loneliness is real and I can imagine the emotions of Zacchaeus and all of a sudden for the first time here's a guy who's been separated because of his position because of everything that he had done given no hope and here's Jesus that comes into town saying listen I'm gonna give the guy that thinks he doesn't have any hope I'm gonna all of a sudden I'm gonna put a light in his life and I'm gonna bring hope to him I'm going to care about him because I'm going to care about somebody that nobody else cares about because people matter people matter and he goes on to say and and look at what people said about Jesus when here he was reaching out to Zacchaeus I mean we're thinking man that's great Jesus is doing the right thing and then look at what people said but the people were displeased in verse 7 he had gone he had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner they grumbled why in the world would they be upset about Jesus hanging out with Zacchaeus 
I went down to spend some time this past week at the American Legion. Had a great time. I wonder how many people grumbled about me going down there to spend time with the people at the American Legion. Some of them that people would say there is no hope. There's no hope because they're an alcoholic. They're on their last leg. You know, I went down because I want them to know there is hope. There is hope. But the people were displeased. Here is Jesus with Zacchaeus. And the topic of, among the religious people of that time was, can you believe? Can you believe? Did you hear? It was probably the topic of all their prayer conversations. The gatherings, did you? Well, we need to pray for Jesus. You know, he's really reaching out now. He's stepping into some unknown territory. Why did Jesus, why didn't Jesus give in and ignore Zacchaeus like everybody else? What was it that Jesus saw in Zacchaeus that no one else did? And then ourselves, how many times do we look on the outside and we see what everybody else sees, yet don't see people as Jesus sees them? People don't matter as much because we don't see them as Jesus saw them. In verse 8 it says, meanwhile, meanwhile, in other words, while the people were sitting on the corner discussing and debating and having discussions about what Jesus was doing, while Jesus was hanging out with Zach, look at what was going on in his heart. I love this. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, and this is why all they're debating. He stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those that were lost. See, while, while the people were having the debate about what Jesus was doing and whether or not it was right or wrong, Jesus intersected the people where he needed to intersect them. And in the midst of that conversation of bringing life to somebody that people thought that didn't matter, no, Jesus said, no, he does matter. And in the midst of all of that conversation, regardless of what anybody else thought, there was life change that happened because there was hope that was brought to a man where there was no hope. See, you're thinking about a person that you know probably. Made to live close to you. It may be somebody that's in your family. It may be somebody that you, that you intersect with at school. It may be somebody that you've seen on the ball field. And all of a sudden, the people that don't matter that much matter a tremendous amount, especially when we see them as Jesus saw them. Jesus didn't come just to hang out in crowd, but he came to seek and to save those that were lost. How many of us know lost people? How do you respond to them? How do you act towards them? And they mattered to Jesus because they mattered to his Father. And the people that we see should matter to us because they matter to our Heavenly Father. Because Jesus was able to see beyond everything on the outside that we tend to want to focus on. And he was able to see the emptiness of the heart and determine his value was not based on what he was but who he was what would have happened to Zacchaeus if Jesus would not have stopped and embraced him that day we have a tendency to think that we when we embrace people and we love people that we're embracing their past but no 
We're not embracing the past, but we're seeing hope for the future. Are we knocking on all cylinders? Do you, what do they say? Do you hear what I'm putting down? That's hard because sometimes it thinks, the tendency is to think that when we hang out with people, that when we embrace somebody, when we have a conversation, when we take them out to lunch, that what we're doing is that we're embracing their lifestyle. Oh, no, no. We're not embracing the past. But what we're doing is we're setting a foundation for the future. That's what we're doing. The church has spent an awful lot of time separating ourselves from the people that we're supposed to reach. The opposite of people matter is what? People don't matter. That's the opposite. If people, if people do matter, the opposite of that is people don't matter. And if people don't matter, what is it that really does matter? How do you treat people in the sphere of your influence? I think what Jesus does is he gives us a model here that we can follow. I think that's what he does. Watch this video clip as we finish today. That I was wrong. Well, I 
I can't see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the brokenhearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Give me your eyes for You know, we may not be surrounded by tax collectors, but there are others around us that fit that bill. So my challenge is for you this week, how are you going to demonstrate to somebody this week within society that may not feel as if they matter, that they do matter? How are you going to go out of your way this next week to come in contact with people within your sphere of influence that you might pass by on a daily basis? How are you going to... to how are you going to maybe this week stop and notice them for the first time and instead of walking past them, walk towards them? Instead of leaning away from them, lean into them and embrace them. How will you do that? What the song say? Give me, give me love for humanity. Give me a heart for the brokenhearted. Give me eyes so I can see. People matter to Jesus. But do they really matter to us? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for our time today. The goal has been to remind us of the fact that people matter. They matter regardless. That when we embrace or engage somebody in a conversation, it's not because we, we accept or we agree with their past, but we have hope for their future. Give us a love for humanity, as, as the song said. Give us eyes, uh, a heart for the brokenhearted. Uh, give us eyes so that we can see. I pray that we would be that type of people. It's difficult, and it's things that all of us struggle with, but the reality is that we want that to be a core value, that we would be a, a body, a gathering of people, a church, your church, that views people as you do. Father, give us boldness and courage in that, not to be afraid of what others might think or what they may say, and, but Father, we would engage in leaning into those people. But this is what I know, that when we... When we make a decision to engage people, that, um, regardless of people that have maybe passed or people that, that are struggling, sometimes it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us time or maybe resources. Um, sometimes it may even cost us a reputation. But Father, I pray that we would understand that it was, it was you, that it, that it was you that gave your life. You gave it all as a sacrifice for us. 2,000 years ago, not because of your rebellion towards Rome, but because of our rebellion towards God that you died. And if for somebody here today that doesn't know Christ, I pray that today they would understand that there is hope regardless of their past. 
Regardless of the past, there's hope because Jesus brings hope. He brings hope not because we can work our way into heaven or we can be better people, but there's hope because of the cross. And so if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, even after this service, would they come to me and say, I want that hope. I want to know Jesus and I want to follow him. Now I send our, our people, those who are followers of Christ, out these doors to be your ambassadors, to be very intentional in what we do and how we live this next week. Bring us into contact with one person. And, and Father, may the Holy Spirit speak to us and go, now's the time, now's the time. Help us not just to walk past people. Remind us that all people matter. All people matter. Thank you for such a great day. And Lord, I pray this week, this weekend, not only for our teams that are headed to Nicaragua, but I pray for our ladies that are going to the ladies' retreat. I pray it's going to be an awesome time as they separate and they move out for this time of, of fellowship as well as spiritual growth. Guard our hearts today. Father, may we be your peacemakers within this community. May we be your peacemakers, but also your, your bringers of truth. May we live it out on a daily basis as we live out a heritage of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.